Father God, I pray to thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for Nehemiah and who he was as an example of a man that truly diligently follows you and chooses you over other things. And so, God, as we close out today uh, and seeing Nehemiah's last stand against the world, um, just pray that you would resonate some truth that you brought us here to hear um, so that we can go out and be a light for you here in the White Mountains. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right. So I wanted to, as best as possible, to make this a really encouraging, happy sermon, but it didn't turn out that way. So I apologize. I know where the tissue box is if tears start coming, just so I don't get yelled at. Um, so... Okay, so the big question we're going to ask today is, is what needs restored? And we're going to be looking at Nehemiah. We're going to read 15 through 22. Give everyone a moment to get there. Okay, it says, in those days, I saw in Judah some who were treading wine presses, on the Sabbath, and bringing in snacks of grain, loading them on donkeys, as well as wine, grapes, and figs, and all kinds of loads. And they brought them into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, so I admonished them on the day they sold food. Also men of Tyre were living there who imported fish and all kinds of merchandise, and sold them to the sons of Judah on the Sabbath, even in Jerusalem. Then I reprimanded the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this evil thing you are doing by profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do the same? So that our God brought on us, on this city, all this trouble. Yet you are adding to the wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. It came about that just as it grew dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and they should not open until after the Sabbath. Then I stationed some of my servants at the gates so that no load would enter on the Sabbath day. Once or twice the traders and merchants of every kind of merchandise spent the night outside of Jerusalem. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night in front of the wall? If you do so again, I will use force against you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come as gatekeepers to sanctify the Sabbath day. For this also remember me, O oh my God, and have compassion on me according to the great faithfulness of your loving kindness. Okay, so obviously from this we can tell that we're going to be talking about the Sabbath, right? Main focus. So to give you a little bit of a history lesson on what Sabbath law was for the Jews is found in Exodus 31.14. It says, therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. That's pretty intense for a day of the week, right? Normally, it's Sunday. Who does any kind of work on Sundays? I do. Most of the time, I work. Okay, so to help further further let you see what work is, this is what you were allowed to do back in Jewish time on the Sabbath. Spend time with family, attend church, host guests, and read. 
That's it. The things that you weren't allowed to do fall under 39 different categories. Here's seven of them. You couldn't cook. You couldn't farm. You couldn't make clothes. Couldn't walk more than half a mile. Couldn't write two letters. You could write one, but not two. Couldn't spend money or even use toilet paper. You weren't allowed to rip anything that was perforated or connected. That's nuts. Right? So now, according to the Sabbath law, who does work on Sunday? Right. We all do. Right? And so the funny thing about this is Nehemiah is addressing the Levites, who are the teachers of the law, the people that should know what the, the Sabbath law was and have helped keep that. And yet here they are letting vendors come into the city and sell all the goods on the Sabbath. And we see Nehemiah reprimanding and admonishing and trying to keep the Sabbath holy. And so, again, the question that I want to ask for us personally is not whether we have our Sabbath that needs restored, but what do we need restored personally? God calls us to keep the Sabbath holy, but he also calls us to be holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 16 it says therefore prepare your minds for action keep sober in spirit fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you in revelation of jesus christ as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance but like the holy one who called you be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written you shall be holy for i am holy and so today we're going to talk about this idea of holiness and us being restored into Holiness, the same way Nehemiah was calling the Jews of Jerusalem to restore the holiness of the Sabbath. So the way we're going to do that today is we're going to look at a couple areas in which we most likely need restored. And the first one is it might be our heart that needs restored. And this could be a lack of love for others or even a lack of love for ourselves that we need to restore. Next is a restoration of our mind. It could be super negative thoughts or a cynical outlook on the world or just depressing thoughts of self. Third is stewardship. Maybe my time that I spend leisurely or or away from, from work or whatnot isn't the best or my money I don't spend in the best of ways. And then the last one is faith. And so what I want to do today is look at how Nehemiah addressed the nobles in coming back to a restored Sabbath day. And how we can take that model and use it for ourselves in whatever area of our lives in which we need restored and bring being brought back to God. And the first one that we see is becoming aware of the situation. And so right in verse 15, it says, In those days I saw in Judah, this is Nehemiah talking, some who were treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sacks of grain and loading them on donkeys, as well as wine, grapes, and figs. And so as we know from Sabbath law, that's work. They weren't allowed to do that. 
Everyone else thought that it was okay, but Nehemiah became aware to the situation. We see in the second verse, there in 16, that it's more work being done. And oftentimes through the busyness of our lives, we overlook areas of our life that are slowly starting to slip, that need restored. We're like, oh, that's just a minor blemish. It's okay. I'll fix it some other time. Right? The personal procrastination. Right? And so this first step is, is acknowledgement that we are broken people, and restoration is something that happens daily and something that we need daily. But in order to make that first step, we have to become aware that restoration is needed. The second thing is to shut the doors. So we see in verse 19, Nehemiah kicked everyone out, shut the doors, and was like, we're not opening them for a whole 24 hours. And sometimes in our life, we have things that continually bombard us, and we put ourselves into situations, but sometimes closing ourselves off is the best way to do it. Right? There's that fight or flight method, and sometimes flight is the best way to, to solve an issue. Right? And so being able to pull yourself back and shut the door so that nothing can get in at you is the best way to start a restoration process. It gives you that silence, it gives you that moment to really reflect. And here we see once the doors were shut, Nehemiah was able to talk, admonish, and reprimand people. Kept all the influences that kept people preoccupied and distracted out so that he could focus on what the real issue was. And then the next one's my favorite one. He, he was forceful. So earlier in Nehemiah, we saw that they had a bunch of forces coming at them, being, being very aggressive, threatening life. And then we see Nehemiah turning the tables. In this verse, he says to the merchants that if you come back, I will force you away. Right? And so sometimes in our lives, we allow things in that we know aren't good for us. And instead of being forceful and pushing them out of our lives, we accept it. And as we know in Scripture, it says that one little thing of yeast can ruin an entire loaf of bread. And so again, the thing that we see is just a small blemish in our life can become a giant rotted piece of ourself. And so being forceful and getting that out of our lives, ripping it out, is sometimes the hardest thing to do. Personal story, I was in uh, Tennessee after I graduated college and I was living amongst a group of people that didn't want to know who God was. They could care less. And I was supporting them financially, just digging myself into the ground and into the ground and into the ground. And it was greatly affecting the way that I was able to view life, what I was trying to do for God. And I ended up completely pulling away and living an entirely separate life in the shadows because of this group of people. And while my best friend lives in Tennessee, and I wanted to stay and find a job and be with him... I ended up calling it a death place. If I didn't get out of there, I was going to die. And so I had to leave everything that I knew for the past seven years at the wayside in order to help myself become better. And sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes it, it takes us being in a situation for so long 
and realizing, okay, enough's enough, I need out. And it could ruin some relationships, but if the person really cared about you, they wouldn't let it get that bad. Or they would go with you or, or find a way to support you. And so it's funny when we, when we start to apply force back on something that is trying to destroy us, we find out what's really there to help and what's there to not. And so in our lives, whenever we start to feel that we're, we're starting to become rotten and we, and we need restoration, being forceful is one of the best ways to help us get right with God and get on that good path. And then lastly, purification. In verse 22, he mentions that the Levites should go and purify themselves to become gatekeepers. And so again, Levites were the teachers of the law, the people that should have been the most knowledgeable and the ones to help keep the Sabbath day holy. And yet here, Nehemiah is telling them that they need to purify themselves. And for this, I think it's a check ourselves moment, a, a humility moment. Of It doesn't matter how long I've been in the church. It doesn't matter how long I've read the Bible. Or it doesn't matter, you know, who I'm surrounded by or, or how much I you know, pray daily, we all have moments where we start to go off the beaten path. And so that's why this becomes a daily thing for us. Waking up in the morning and making that lordship decision of, okay, God, my day is for you today. I'm going to try and keep everything else out. That purification process. At the end of the night, going to God and be like, all right, God, humility time. This is what my day was. I fell short. We all do. But the cool thing about God is he knows we will. And when we wake up the next morning, mercies and love are still the same. And so when we when we notice this, this idea that an area of our life is going bad, most of us try to hide and keep it from others. But that's the last thing we need to do. As we know, mold and, and rotten wood excels in dark, damp places. For us, a dark, damp place is loneliness, hiding away from other people. And so in order to keep that from happening, community is extremely, extremely important. And so just a quick recap. I want to reread that verse from 1 Peter. And when I read it this time, I want you to think about whatever it is in your life that you that came to mind for this idea of a restorative process. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the former lusts which you were, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God cares about the Sabbath and keeping that holy. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that it's Sunday. But he cares about us resting because he cares about us. 
And in the care about us, he wants us to be holy and strive to be holy so that we can be close to him. And the best part about this is it talks about the grace that is shown through Jesus. And it's because he knows we're going to fall short every day. And without that grace, we wouldn't be able to have a, a relationship with him or achieve holiness when the time comes. Let's pray. Father God, we pray to thank you for today. Uh, God, we just we pray to thank you for your grace. Um, we see in the story of Nehemiah that it was people that were supposed to be teachers that were leading people astray. And it's because we're human and we fall short that we need your grace and we need your love to restore us on a daily basis. So Father, as we go into a time of communion, just ask that we would feel in our hearts that your love and the sacrifice of Christ is what allows us to be with you and allows us this purification and restoration process. We pray and thank you for this in your son's name.